Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. We're live. We're live? I thought we were taping this. We are taping live. Live to tape? We are live to tape. How are you, my friend? We're not even live to tape because you're going to edit it. Not much. Oh, all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I'm good. Look, I'm outside. I got a cigar. It's uh, Monday when we're recording this. It seems like it's been about six or seven years since Indiana basketball has played, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know what? Depending on the mood I'm in at that moment, that's either a really bad thing or a really good thing. Well, we talked about that, like having nine days just to stew on the loss to Rutgers. And would it be better better to have another loss since then to stew on? Exactly. I don't know. At least it's a different conversation. Um, why, why we lost another game instead of the game we have been dwelling on. But it's really, it's really just left us to our own devices to talk about bigger picture stuff and and maybe now is a good time to talk about what we did on clubhouse with jared jeffries and those guys good call yes that was great it was great and we're going to do more of this so there is an app called clubhouse right now it's only available on ipads and iphones so all of you screw the man i'm gonna buy a samsung to prove that (laughs) i'm not supporting big giant corporate infrastructures which by the way samsung's like the biggest company in the asian world but whatever (laughs) Those of you who have Android phones because you're Mr. Freaking Robot over here. Uh, (laughs) It's only available on iPhones and iPads, but it is a great app. The best way to explain it, I think, is it's live, interactive audio chat. I mean, that's what it is. And it allows us to invite people and welcome people onto the platform and create a room that is dedicated to us. So all of you who are peaksters who have done peaks chat or anybody who's used the app discord or been part or participated in any kind of online chat it's basically that except a little bit more regulated in that the one that we just did we had jared jeffries aj moye aj guyton will Sheehy, and brian evans were our like featured speakers which is pretty great we had night player davis player cream player like it was really cool to have these these different eras of Indiana. It was, it was such, and it was really about the state of the program, right? Because we've gotten a chance to talk to all of those players in depth about their career and their time. But when we go round and around between you and I and us and the goons and, you know, even Rabby or just on the pigs message boards, it's um, you know, it's a bit of an echo chamber and you get a lot of different points of views and great insight, 
but now it's like this cross section of IU legends who are still really engaged with what's going on with the program right now. And it, it was very insightful, not exactly uplifting, but that's not where we're at right now. And it was, it was one of those moments where I think you and I always get so excited about guests. And even in the moment, it's quite thrilling but with, with so much back and forth between these legends, right? Like, you know, you and I can even sit back a lot more than we could on a podcast and just let them take it wherever they want to. I was just like, how am I on this call with these guys? I, I agree with you. So I would say to everybody listening to this, download the app. If you have an iPad or an iPhone clubhouse, um, sign up. Follow us at Hoosier Hysterics, same handle as Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics, no E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why? So make sure you follow us. We're going to do these more often where we get some former players together. And the great part about it is interactive. So we had a couple totally. people from the crowd who were listening. You kind of virtually raise your hand and then we bring you up on stage as it were and you can ask your question and kind of have a back and forth it's very informal it's very casual but it's the technology is really great so we're yeah gonna... i thought i thought the audio quality was excellent even with moye from the beaches of tahiti was uh, quite the good way, then he just drops out like the dude just went into the ocean and just decided i'm done yeah, he 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 proved that it could work and then he he got back back to his conch shell. But we also had like a couple of recruiting experts jump in and give some opinions on what's going on out in the wide world. So it, I think even the other people who join in as listeners and then end up participating and really taking the conversation in new directions. And it's one thing, you know, that we we lack in doing the podcast where it's like, hey, we do it, we put it out. And then we get the feedback afterwards. It's like, no, you guys can jump in and ask your questions right now. Absolutely. Or make a comment, you know, and just get them to respond to the comment. I'll tell you, I, I was thinking about the conversation. It was great. It was an hour and a half. Um, there were two things that stuck with me from the conversation. The first was, and it's, a, it's kind of a twofold thing, but the reverence that all of these guys showed the players that came before them. So, you know, Jared Jeffries went to the NBA and made a ton of money in the NBA. I think he played in the NBA for like 10, 11 years, something yep. like that. Made tens of millions of dollars. The reverence, he never played for Bobby Knight. He practiced for him for a couple months, but never got a chance to play for him. Never played with Brian Evans, you know. The reverence that he showed Brian Evans, the reverence that A.J. Guyton showed Brian Evans, the reverence that Will Sheehy from Florida showed Brian Evans. And the second part of this is that Will Sheehy flat out said to us, Brian Evans came and spoke to us when I was there. I'm from Florida. I didn't know anything about the Indiana tradition and the what it meant to be a Hoosier. But when that guy came and spoke to us, you could see it in his eye, how important it was to be there. And that impacted me. Mm -hmm. That made me know that I was playing for something bigger. It's the thing we have talked about, why this stuff is important. So all these prognosticators like Brian Snow, who literally just studies his analytics cheat sheets, and that's all that matters, who doesn't think that this kind of stuff has any impact on the court, you've got players telling you it impacts us. It Absolutely. impacted us. So the reverence that, and then by the way, the reverence that Brian Evans showed Will Sheehy 
Yep. Where he talked about how great it was to watch him play, how he really believed that he would fit in on any of the great teams of Indiana Pass. That was so emotionally and viscerally cool to experience, wouldn't you say, Ward? Absolutely. You know, I asked the question, and I'm going to modify it next time when we have different guys. I said, okay, guys, you can pick you and four other guys to be your team uh, to go out, you know, roll the ball out and play. And I realized I should have also said, you can't mention the other guys on this call. Yeah, because they all just gave each other a big circle jerk. And look, it's a great team. It's a great team. You know, they would end up throwing Calvert Chaney on there too, but it like this Jay team. Edwards. And Jay Edwards, yeah. But it'd be Brian Evans, AJ Guyton, uh, Jared Jeffries. Uh, it, it poor, was, poor Wild got no mentions. Well, and that's where I was like, oops, I should have said you can't mention anybody on this call too. But if you, you know what you should have said is, but if you need a sixth man, like there's your, Will's your sixth. Will, Will's your guy. That would have been the save, but Will was great too, because he came in last and he was like, this is bullshit. These guys all scored like 2000 points. Totally. <laughs> so that, that was the first thing that stuck with me after the call was just, it was, you know, and we felt it when we were at the event that we threw at the Bluebird, like when you get these guys around each other, but that was such a different thing because they're all spread out. We were on stage. We couldn't see them. Here, though, you really got a sense to just be in the middle of, like, tossing up a ball and letting these legends and Hoosier stars of the past just kind of bat it around and pass it to each other. And you got the sense of the camaraderie that has existed in Indiana that, truthfully, we've lost a lot of. And that was very cool. The second thing is there was this just universal opinion amongst the, the guys that we had, that there is simply no identity for this basketball team. And that, that before you talk about recruiting and before you talk about like offensive, you know, game planning, which there was a lot of talk about offense, which I know you really sparked too when Guyton really broke it down. But it all starts with what are we? What are we? Have a fierce adherence to what you are and then go and recruit guys that fit that. It is very hard to see what is the identity of the Indiana University Hoosiers under Archie Miller. We know what he has vocalized. We know what he has said he wants the identity to be, defense first, you know, tough-minded, disciplined, but we don't see it. And, and I mean, just to, to further that, I jumped on Ken Palm this morning to look again at what's our, what's our uh, rankings. When you look at conference only, by the way, we are ninth in the conference in defense. Now, the upside is we're fifth in the conference in offense. Now, granted, let's see what happens when we play the rest of these teams, but ninth in defense. To be in year four, where your identity is supposed to be defense, and to be in the bottom half of the conference, it's just, it hasn't worked. So, it, not to say it won't work, but it has not worked to this point. Well, I, I, look, I'm trying to be somewhat just reasonable on what has happened, because that's all yeah. we can, the rest is conjecture. But- Right now, we don't have an identity. And back to those guys that were on the call, they all said that over and over again. What is our identity? We, we don't see it. And like you I, said, I mean, one thing when, when we say it, another thing when people who lived it say it. Yeah, and that's, that's why it's so good to sit back and really hear, you know, not only night guys, but Cream guys, Davis guys, all offer their different opinions because each of those guys had greater success under whatever coach with whatever teammates, 
than we've experienced in the last three plus seasons. So to a certain degree, you know, Will, he knows what it's like to be on the best team in the country. It, you know? And the worst, right? Like, And the worst. He's seen the whole gamut. And then, and then Jared got to the title game. You know, Evans was there. Um, with some of the greatest players to ever suit up and was well, one himself. Championships, went to you a know, final four. AJ Guyton, one of the greatest scorers in history, you know, and, and saw a lot of a lot of players leave the program who are top. So that, that when you have all those different perspectives and guys who just lived, breathed, ate basketball for a good chunk of their lives, it's it's really one insightful. You're hearing stuff you hadn't heard before, like one. Uh, I forget who it was, if it was Evans said, you know, we just really don't make easy baskets for ourselves in transition. And I, I don't know if it was the Iowa game or maybe the Wisconsin game, but there had to be four or five times where we had a numerical advantage running down the court. One of their players hit the deck, kind of ran out past the baseline trying to get a board or driving. And we just lollygagged up the court and didn't get ourselves an easy bucket, you know, and, it, and it's, when you, you look at that on the offensive end, we don't even take advantage of easy opportunities or, or even to create easy op opportunities. But then on defense, when that has been from day one, pack line, pack line, pack line, pack line. And it's like, here we are in year four where everybody knows exactly what they're supposed to do, um, but yet they don't. And we're ninth in the big 10 in Kempom and that it's like, well, even, even our, our, the banner hanging over this team's identity is, is not, it's not, it's just, it's just lip service. It's just an idea. So I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Nobody does. Those guys don't know. So how are we supposed to know? No, and that's the frustration because at least if you had an identity, you could hang your hat on it. No. Okay. You can count on this. All we need is moderate improvement in these other areas and we'll be okay. We don't have that. So it makes it even more frustrating. It's interesting thinking about the Bob Knight teams. <coughs> Excuse me the ones especially that Guyton played on. Because you could make the argument that part of what happened at the end for Coach Knight, and Guyton was certainly on those teams at the end, was that we lost a little bit of the identity of who we were. You know, we were bringing in guys like Neil Reed and Jason Collier, and, and they were highly recruited, highly thought of players. Uh, Andre Patterson, Patterson who we Charlie Miller. Charlie Miller. But guys that didn't know what Indiana was and those weren't complimentary players. Those were the guys you were leaning on. You know, those yeah. were, that was, and, and, and if they didn't excel, you were going to be in real trouble. And you wonder if, you know, I wonder even if Coach Knight would look back at those and, and if you could have the conversation with him, if he would say like, yeah, we, you know, we brought in different assistant coaches who were recruiting a much bigger um, footprint than Indiana had done before. And I wonder if we got away under the pressure of we got to get back to winning Big Ten championships, did he overextend and bring in players that didn't fit exactly the model that he built for 20 years? Well, you know, and when you also, I think one thing we talked about, even while we were in Bloomington, like he's old school, hard ass army drill sergeant Bob Knight. And the game was already starting to move away from that. That was before social media had really taken hold. And also now, even when you watch an NBA game and there's a couple of players from Europe out there, every time you, you flip on the TV, it's like, did Indiana's talent pool provide a, a stronger base, even in, you know, the seventies and eighties before magic and Larry and Michael 
turned it into just truly like a, a global game and that you could no longer have enough talent just by recruiting the state of Indiana because it's still a great a great recruiting bed but I think we're all fooling ourselves to think that you could have purely Indiana teams with a guy from Chicago or maybe a guy from Ohio and still compete nationally it's like I wonder if that's part of the game that was also passing them by not just the the player mentality but also like man this has just become a more and more popular sport as time goes on Maybe. I don't know. I mean, there certainly has been a ton of Indiana talent that we haven't gotten. That if you had sure. gotten enough of them, it would have... But I agree. I mean, you can't do it exclusively, but man, I mean, I hate talking about it, but I watched the Turdue game the other day against... Um, who was it against? Was it against Maryland? or I can't remember who it was against. But I'm just watching Jaden Ivey from Indiana crush it i'm watching brandon newman crush it you know and eric hunter is a really important piece of the puzzle for them and i'm just watching how they play and their identity and i'm like they're doing what we want to do with with hopefully higher talent but and now purdue is in the top 25 in the country and one of the top four or five teams in the big 10 in a year that no one thought they would be yep. because their system is so strong i will go back to what you said though about offense, because I've been saying this too. When your coach tells you that we really need to get to the free throw line, I hate that. Because to me, that means you aren't asking for easy baskets. It means you're just trying to like play bully ball and get fouled. And you're, you are literally- You're manufacturing points. And you're, you're literally putting your fortunes on a referee to help you. So if a ref, if, if a game is gets, you know, a really bloody battle where they decide we're going to let these guys play well all of a sudden your strategy goes out the window but if you're a team that like prides itself on we're going to run this offense so well that we're going to we're going to create easy points the way that really good offenses do well then you're a little bit more inoculated to like a referee making decision and our offense does not do that like trace jackson davis getting the ball and hoping that he can make a great move that's not an easy basket that is asking Trace to use his ability and talent to just beat a guy, which in college basketball is difficult because of help defense and zone defense and things like that. We we don't, like AJ said, you don't often see a guard on our team break somebody down and then dump it to, you know, Trace for a dunk in, in the flow of our offense. It's not what we do. And that's a frustrating thing to watch from a style perspective too. It's just not fun to watch. And then you well, wonder, well, why would recruits want to play in that? And they, they commented uh, that, you know, who, who was it who played with Jeffries that said, we'd just get it down to Jared. Moye. Yeah, Moye, of course, um, before he dropped off the phone in Tahiti. And, but like Mike Davis recognized what he had in Jared Jeffries. And then he surrounded, you know, him on the court with players who could spread the floor, give Jared room to operate and knock down outside shots. We, and we smart players. Smart players, yes, and we we don't we don't have those players, and it's a pretty easy scout to be like suffocate Trace Jackson Davis and make him beat us with somebody else, and occasionally Galloway will will break down a defense and and find somebody open somewhere, but it, it almost seems um, by sheer force of will of his aggressiveness rather than by some kind of scheme. 
I agree. And the other thing is, we talked about this a little on the uh, on the call. You know, for all the Bob Knight military restrictive, you know, don't make mistakes, like everything regimented. He ran an offense that allowed for maximum flexibility. I mean, the motion yeah. offense is not you pass here, then you go here. That like that's not what it is. Just the motion offense is see what the defense gives you, screen away from the ball, constant movement, but relying on your players to see what the defense gives them and work the flow until an easy shot came up. And like Guyton said, he knew he would get an easy shot at the beginning of the game. Evans knew he knew how to roll off the screens and run through them and create distance and space for himself. It, even though Knight was this restrictive guy, the offense was not. And our offense and, and Crean's offense clearly wasn't. Our offense now is so restrictive. You can almost see when you watch our team play offense, the lines on the, on the whiteboard, mm -hmm. like pass here. You have to make this pass now. Then you have to cut here. And it just seems so restrictive. And, and I'll be honest, like, I don't love watching it. It has been somewhat effective. The offense has not been terrible this year. No, um, and, and it does create some open shots eventually. If it doesn't, it God help us, but it, it creates open shots. It does not create a lot of shots at the basket that are open. It doesn't no. create backdoor cuts, layups. It doesn't. We're not, we're not lobbing. You know, we got Trace Jackson Davis, who's a great athlete. How many alley-oop dunks to Trace Jackson Davis have we seen this year? I mean, well, well, I mean, we were all salivating at the idea of Christian Lander and Trace Jackson Davis doing some pick and pop, some pick and rolls. And obviously that has not happened at all. It hasn't. So listen, we got a game today. Let's hope we know we're going to, you know, go crazy and be upset if we lose and go nuts and say we're going to win the final four if we win. But we got two huge games against top 10 teams. So a lot of the season is going to be determined on how we do in these games. You lose both these games, you're behind uh, 10 eight balls. You win one of them, you're still in the fight for a tournament bid. Yeah. You, know, you lose both and uh, I don't know, you win both and you're in the tournament. Yeah, th then we'll go crazy. I will not go crazy over a win tonight. If we beat Iowa again after beating Illinois, then I might start to go crazy. Fair enough. Uh, quick update uh, just before we get to today's episode. Trustee campaign, look, we're in February now. The voting starts in June. June 1st is when the voting starts. We've been rolling out our videos. The last of the videos will roll out this week from Bloomington, where we went to launch our campaign. And uh, the videos this week are all about some uh, flubs and mistakes that happened as we were trying to shoot those videos. Uh, I, I didn't remember us having any flubs or mistakes. I'm going to have to watch this video. Yeah, well, look, for us, they're not flubs and mistakes. For us, it's about as good as it could possibly get. So... <laughs> Uh, but we're getting close, and we're just two months away from all of our opponents having to be listed. April 1st is the day that all other candidates have to be viable and verified. And so that's when the negative campaigning starts. <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten any indication how many folks we're up against? No, none. It's also very weird because anybody who qualified for the 2020 trustee campaign before they canceled it because of COVID they are letting them use their verified signatures for this year. By the That's way, what if, what if like 20 of them died? <laughs> but anyway. Then in the herd. Yeah. Uh, so they just have to tell 
IU that they want to run again. So everybody who qualified last year could be qualified again this year automatically. But okay. we'll see. We don't know. There are two spots available because of the spot that didn't get voted on last year and then the one that comes up normally. So we'll see. Uh, we're developing our platform right now. That's what we're doing. A lot of thought on our platform. Well, I, I think we're sitting in a situation here with that. That's a handful of months left where whoever, wh when does it need to be determined who's running against us? April 1st. Okay. And so we, we have our opposition, opposition research team ready to go, ready to, to go. really dig into the, the skeletons in the closet and get that out. But rather than rely on that, now is the time to let your voices be heard. Let us know what's important to you. And we can start to figure out how we can come through on that and how our opponents will not. Look, how can any of our opponents even have a shot? Because as we know, we are unique in this campaign. We are. We are the only campaign. Powered by... I don't know what to do on this one. Give me an idea. Give me what's the first thing that pops to your mind? Brr, do stuff with the roll pre, your pre, pre, How do you do it with a P? Prigs. That sounds like Prigs. <laughs> give me a song. Give me a song. What's give me a, just a song that I'll know. For the longest time. P. Yeah. E Nailed it. Boom. Nailed it. Thank God you gave me a Billy Joel song. Thank I, I, God. I went right for your wheelhouse, baby. Love, well, I think after hearing that, most people will argue that is not my wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, I, I, I disagree. I thought you did uh, the Piano Man justice. And it did happen to pop up in Spotify yesterday. I thought of you. So it was right on top of mind. Nice. By the way, epfortrustee.com. That's our website. epfortrustee.com. Go there. Sign up. Submit your email so you're on our emailing list because we need our army of people that we're going to galvanize when the voting and when we need to collect real opposition research. And we're going to just send out our army to take inappropriate cell phone video of our opponents doing inappropriate things. So that's sure. really our plan. Um, one other thing I want to mention, Peaks, obviously, it's our favorite website in the world. It has helped fill the void during this, like, enormous gulf between games. You get to go on, you see Rab John's update recruiting, you get to see Trevor Andershock give his thoughts, you get Mike giving some, like, more big picture stuff. But the message boards are also great. Some of it is really hard to read because it's really super negative. Somebody did post something today that there could be some bad news coming from the program as it relates to a player, perhaps. And I don't know if that's real or not. It said that we would know in the next day or so. Mm. So that doesn't make me feel good. Usually where there's smoke, there is some fire when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, so you're saying we might have to do an addendum to this intro. We might. If, it, if, it, if, it, if something gets revealed that is important enough, I just, this team, Joey Brunk's out with injury. Trey Galloway is having trouble coming back from this back issue. This team does not need another bad PR story and another story that affects players on the court. Like, 
this team has a zero margin of error, zero margin for error. And I'm just really, when I read stuff like that on Pigs, and I've read it before, I read it before Yogi got suspended when he had his thing. I read it before Devante got suspended. You know, like usually that stuff comes to fruition. And I have no idea who it is or what it is even. But man, I don't, we don't need that. We just don't need it. I don't need it. But I like that Pigs keeps me informed on it because it makes me feel like I'm in the know. It, it gives you the inside scoop. Anybody who, who's hearing any whispers, it comes out on the Pigs board before anywhere else. And frankly, in this season above any other, where you have gaps in the schedule that, look, I felt I got really lucky with my Colts. They played every game. The football team did better than most after a, a late start, you know, for the Hoosiers, I mean. Um, but now, now we're really starting to get dinged by this damn COVID during the basketball season. And we would be in a lot worse shape if we didn't have some company to keep miserable with. And there is no company I would rather keep than our fellow Peaksters in this time. And even though I'm just a lurker, right? You know, I'm just in there, but I'm reading every thread. And, and some of them go off off the deep end of negativity and really just squabbling between a couple of people. Those I check out of when it's clearly devolved into that. But I think the vast majority of Peaksters are trying to have constructive conversations. And it's always, you know, in a season like this, it ain't all puppy dogs and ice cream. But again, I'd rather be mixing it up in there and then just left to my own devices. Because inside my own head is even more negative than a pig's board. It's a dark, it's a dark place. <laughs> Before we uh, segue in, I'm going to ask you the question you asked on the call. Okay. Your starting five Indiana players, only the pool of players we have interviewed. Well, okay. Calbert Cheney. He's your, he's your small forward. He's my three. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Steve Alford at my two. I'm going to go with Isaiah at my one. Um, so my four and my five. All right. Um, ooh. Tough. Well, let's, let's go with Jeffries. He's, as your four or five. I think, I think, I think four. No, well, okay. Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with him at my four and Henderson as my five. You oh, we haven't interviewed Henderson. Never mind. Shit. Um, I agree with you so far on Isaiah Alford Cheney. Uh, that's it's like that's oh. tough to beat. The four and five, I'm more like there's no faces popping up. You know what I would do? And look, this is clearly recency bias on some of it. Yeah, but I think in the modern day basketball. Because, look, I would want to put Benny. I mean, Kent Benson is probably. Well, I did mention that. Okay, yeah. I mean. As my five. But it's tough. It's tough in modern day basketball. Because he was a slow down, no shot clock back to the basket guy. I think I would go Jared at the five. Okay. Landon Turner at the four. I love that. I do love that. The guy could run. He had a shot. He is long, like good body. Now I'm thinking about McGinnis. Oh my God, <laughs> McGinnis has got to be on the team. Yeah, this is rough. Like this. What do you give him? Is he? He's a four, right? Yeah, I think you put him as a four. 
Oh, then he, I'm sorry, Landon. I go big George over Landon at the four. You gotta go well, big I, George. Well, I By just the way, I wonder, might go downing at the five. Well, but, but, cause I'm thinking about like, would Landon have been the most likely to develop into like an outside threat? He was already. Yeah, but like I'm talking about a three-point shooter. If you're talking about the modern game, I think Landon where like Giannis is hitting three-pointers. I think Landon Turner is LaMarcus Aldridge. I really do. Like when you go back and look at his game, that's where he lived on those 18-foot jump shots. That's but what I, I think he would have he would have had more mobility and speed. He could have gotten around the court better than Aldridge does. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, Aldridge, I mean, Aldridge is old now, but when Aldridge was in Portland, the guy was an athlete. Yeah, I just always think of him as a little sluggish. Huh, I don't think, all right, but but you got to go Big George at the four. Yeah. But then at the five, I do think it's Jared because he can do so many things. Yeah. I mean, how do you guard that team? How do you guard that no, team? No, that, that team goes undefeated. Yeah, that's a really good team. I'd love, anybody out there, throw out yours on Twitter. Throw out your starting five on just people that have been interviewed on our show. <laughs> I'm curious there. We got to do glad- like a second five after that. That's good. We'll do that in a different show. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't ask me to put myself on the court with four guys. <laughs> Who do you replace in the five that you just mentioned? I mean, absolutely no one. No, I mean, like, like it's it's because of height. But no, I can't handle the ball at all. I'd say I'd do the least damage at two. I would do the least damage at two. I'm going to change mine real quick. Okay. I'm putting, oh no, I can't. We haven't interviewed him yet. I was going to say, I think I go Jay Edwards over Alford. Well, I think Jay is a little bit worse of an outside shooter, but still remarkable, but could do so much more. And incredibly clutch. As was Alford, but he's just, Alfred's a little better shooter. Jay is a much better athlete and much better defensive player. Could do so much more. Good size. Man, there's just, the history of Indiana is littered with just some of the greatest college basketball players that have ever done it. It really is remarkable. It is interesting. We didn't get out of the early 90s with that list. No, we did. Jared. Jared, Jared got us into this millennium, at least. I mean, look, Vic as a two is yep. possible look cody, cody at a five cody just posterized Giannis. if you haven't seen that highlight go check out the the towering big handsome from washington throwing it down on the greek freak all right look we've spent this entire intro talking about basketball which is good because the rest of this podcast has nothing to do with basketball a little bit to do with basketball but mostly it has to do with football and IU football is clearly at a different place than it has ever been since we've been alive and maybe ever as far as just the momentum that is happening with football. Yes. And by the way, I want to mention, since we recorded this podcast, we went out and got Charlton Warren from Georgia as our defensive coordinator, who almost everyone is saying is a third deck home run hire. You know, so things are looking very good for Indiana football. And there has been one member of the Peegs family who has resisted our courting for the last two years. And that is the gentleman who really is the eyes and ears at Peegs for all things IU football. He is so good at it. He is so thorough. He is so tapped in to Indiana staff, 
what we're looking at from a recruiting standpoint, and he's lived it on some level. It's so, really cool to find out how this guy got to where he is today. And so we wanted to do a deep dive in football because we don't have the information like we do on recruiting for basketball. And we wanted this guy to really kind of focus our energy so we can be crazy on IU football recruiting. And he does it in spades. It's a really fun interview with a really cool dude. And a guy, because Indiana has always been the basketball school, has never gotten his just due for what he does for the Peaks community and what he does in covering Indiana football. There is nobody in the business that does it better. So I'm excited to, uh, that we got to talk to him. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here we are. Uh, we are speaking to a member of the Pigs family, somebody we have just met, but obviously we've all been reading his work for a long time. Uh, and boy, is it getting exciting to read what's going on with Indiana football. Eric, let's get into the details of who this gentleman is. Uh, this gentleman is the lone standout from the Pigs community, the Pigs family, who has not been on our show. So we've done Pigs, we've done Rabby, we've done Bikoff, and now we get the person that Rabbi refers to as a wallet guy. And we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. But we are talking to a gentleman who is the lead analyst, recruiting expert, writer on all things IU football for pigs.com. We're talking to, I'm going to give him the nickname, the fortune teller of football. That's right. I was trying to come up with other F names that I just couldn't come up with, but fortune teller of football. We are talking to the wallet guy, Matt Weaver. <laughs> how are you, thank you guys i appreciate it thank you i'm good how are you guys doing we're doing good listen i want to start with something that is just um maybe a little silly but i think it would uh be informative to all of us who the hell are you like how did you get to do this where give us where how <clears throat> we need to know everything about you the, the so, origin story the yeah. matt weaver origin story. what life choices did you make that led you to be the preeminent expert on all things iu football um well i mean like you guys i, I went to iu i'm from columbus indiana um if, if you i don't know if you know that town but oh, oh yeah wait, wait 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 hold on hold on uh i will let you know that eric loves columbus loves okay. columbus and i have a pretty good feeling he's going to bring a book over yes he loves <laughs> this book <laughs> i don't know if that's working with the uh, virtual background yeah i can there see it go. sorry yeah I, I, that? I, no that's fine but yeah that's where i grew up um except for four years when i was uh, younger we, we moved to michigan my dad got a job up there but then, then we came back and went, uh, relocated back to columbus Went to IU. Um, well, actually, before I went to IU, I actually went to uh, – I would play baseball at a junior college in Illinois. I um, was going to go – actually going to go to Franklin College, which is obviously just a little bit north of Columbus. Uh, ended up uh, tearing my ACL playing pickup basketball. Oh. Knew I was never going to play baseball past, past college. And, and wanted the big school life. Always grew up an Indiana fan, uh, growing up in Columbus. Uh, went to we had season tickets to football games when I was a kid not basketball because they were impossible to get mm -hmm. um, but uh, grew up going into IU basketball and football games and wanted to go to IU and, and have the big school life so uh, you know our experience I should say went there um, and uh, was in 
uh, a sports marketing management class, Gary Sales said, if you want to do something, you should call up and volunteer. And I wanted to work for the football program. So I called uh, Buck Sewer, uh, who was the director of operations at that time. He was a former running backs coach under Coach Mallory. Cam Cameron had just come in and taken over as the head coach and volunteered. And I got stuck sitting in front of a computer entering questionnaires from recruits for hours on end. Um, but it paid off. They eventually let me do more stuff. Uh, I mean, I did stuff like pick up recruits at the airport and coach Cameron's car, drive them around campus, uh, do tours, became a manager. Uh, I was there when Antoine was there. Um, so it was, didn't win a lot, but it was really fun watching Antoine play. Um, and then, uh, oh, about 14 years ago, um, a friend of mine who was, I was on Peaks. I was a member of Peaks. A friend of mine told knew Mike because he's also from Columbus and obviously I think you guys know Mike lives in Columbus and told yeah. him uh, he was he was looking for a new football guy and said you should give Matt a try I'd never really written I mean obviously we all write, we all write you know going through school papers and stuff but I never really written like you know stories like this and Mike gave me a little trial Ken and uh, the late great Ed Magoni um, were also part of it and I had to kind of go through a trial period and they, they kind of looked at my work and they said uh, he's okay and 14 years later, here we are. Wow. That, that is incredible. And, and it is cool that we were peers. We were there at the same time. We all got the Antoine Randall L experience uh -huh. because having missed out on the, the glory of the Mallory years, you know, it was like with Antoine Randall L on the field, it was exhilarating. Even if the final score was never what we wanted, it was always such a good time to go to those games. And, and did you have any idea because clearly there was a gap before you got hired by peaks uh, did you always kind of think you wanted to get back into that or was that just fortune and destiny dropping on your lap? Uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, I never thought I would do something like this. I mean, obviously I majored in sports marketing management at IU business minor. So that was kind of the path I wanted to go. I, I actually, uh, I interned with the Eagles uh, after college, uh, John Harbaugh, who I got to know, he was in Indiana for one season. He was the, the DB coach for coach Cameron and then got hired huh. Andy Reid. Andy Reid got the job in Philadelphia and he hired John Harbaugh as a special teams coordinator. Um, so I was there, it was just a summer, a summer camp or training camp internship. So it was only about what a month long, but it was really pretty cool. I mean, it was when Donovan McNabb got drafted by the Eagles. Wow. So I saw his first few practices and um, it's funny because you look back, I mean, he was obviously a great player, but I remember the first like couple practices he came in, he was a late, he, he, he was a holdout. That's back when they didn't have the slotting guys held out for more money. Right. And he, he was like two weeks late to training camp. And I remember after like the first couple of practices, I turned to somebody, the Eagles, and I'm like, my, you guys made a mistake. This guy's terrible. <laughs> he, he looks so, he looks so bad. That shows you what I know about football, but he looks so bad. He was bouncing passes, but it was just, he was just getting used to the NFL game. After, after a few you know days, he looked a lot better, but I remember thinking, man, they just made like a $40 million mistake or whatever it was they paid him. So, um, but yeah, I got to know John Harbaugh and, and, um, uh, you know, did some other things. I was, I, I did some real estate. I, uh, you know, worked for a lobby group at, in downtown Indy for a little bit. Um, but sports was always something that I wanted to do. And, and my friend, my friend, his name's Tony. He, he said, Hey, uh, you should do this. I think Pease was looking for, I can't remember what happened to the other guy. If he was moving on to something else. And I was like, okay, I mean, I guess. And he goes, cause nobody knows it better than you. So I did it. And you know, I've, uh, I, you know, I don't know if I'm the writer. Here we are. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm the wallet guy, but you know. Uh. <laughs> well, well, all right. There, there's I, my mind is racing with the number of questions I have based on just what you've already said. But let's first start with the wallet guy. Do you know what the wallet guy is a reference to? I, I hope it's a compliment. Does that mean I'm like the the, the money guy? Like I'm. That's I, what I, I thought. That's what I thought. All right, and I pushed Rabby on it. I'm like, what is it? Apparently, what Rabby means by you're a wallet guy is in the movie Pulp Fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Marcellus Wallace has a wallet, mm-hmm. and in the wallet is stitched, bad motherfucker. <laughs> so if you are a wallet guy, you are oh a bad motherfucker. God. Now, by the way, I've never heard Rabby refer to anyone else in the world as a wallet guy, except for Matt Weaver. So. That's pretty good. That's uh, pretty good. I, I guess I, I guess I won't tell some of the stories of us going out and, and uh, having some adult beverages and. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Ward lit up. <laughs> right, but I, I actually want to go back a little, if we could, because look, volunteer. I'm gonna. St- well, first, I'm gonna start with your ACL injury. Did your ACL injury playing basketball make you hate basketball and want to focus on IU football? Because no, it fun- is strange thing to grow up in Columbus and be totally focused on football where does your preference from football come from as opposed to you know us having this conversation with you about writing for basketball uh well I mean I always loved IU basketball I mean when I was a kid if somebody said uh uh what's your one wish I'd like to play for Bobby Knight I mean that was well my second wish would have been to play second base for the Cincinnati Reds that's my favorite baseball team but but to play basketball for Bob yeah for Bobby Knight would have been would have been my childhood dream it's just I we we had season tickets to football, and I think when you go and you're at the games all the time, you kind of develop more of a connection. I mean, I loved IU basketball. Whenever we got tickets, I would go. But back then, it was impossible. I mean, right. they were like handed down, and you know, I mean, if you could get tickets, you were sitting up in the second balcony next to God, you know, and and you could <laughs> couldn't see you you could barely see wait the wait, wait Matt, to- Matt Matt God was sitting on our bench. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know back then they had that little scoreboard not the big jumbo yeah. bronze they have now so um i i love basketball and i wish that we had season tickets but um football was the sport that we, we had season tickets too we had great seats and and um i just kind of developed a, kind of a kinship with it just because when you i think when you go like i said when you go to it it's just kind of different but as a, a kid in southern indiana basketball was always you know i mean i i actually never played football my mom wouldn't let me because she thought it was too dangerous i begged her and begged her i played basketball and baseball and just some other sports but you know uh football was something that i never played and um but always loved uh you know kind of maybe later in life when i was younger basketball was always because you played it um but as i got older i appreciated football and then working for the program and and doing those things it's just you know i have i have a, a deep love for uh, Indiana football obviously when I do my job I have to separate that and and be neutral and be professional but you know uh, I, I do this job because I'm a fan not because yeah. I so much because I love the work I, I love Indiana University and I love the football program and that's why I try to do the best job I can for our for our members well and can you do your job professionally be as unbiased and objective as you can but then turn on the game and root for the Hoosiers or do you allow yourself that oh when I'm at home Absolutely. When I'm in the press box, I, I gotta, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a very emotional fan. Uh, very emotional <laughs> fan. I mean, welcome I, I, to the club. You're right at yeah, home here. <laughs> yeah. I, if you got, at some point, I can tell you a great story about me and a roommate uh, when I, Indiana beat Duke in the NCAA tournament the year they went to the national championship. Tell it. Tell it. Okay, I'll, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll sidetrack. So we're watching that game. Um, 
uh, I had come on. We, we were living, we were living um, at uh, Keystone at the Crossing. There, there used to be a Chance there, and we lived in the apartments right next to Chance. I think the Chance is now gone, but we, we lived right there. So nice, nice place. We're watching the game. Indiana is obviously getting killed early on. I think they were down like almost 20 points or something. Um, so they start coming back, and then they would they would get it down to like maybe eight or nine, and then they would it would go back up. Well, we start throwing stuff. We're screaming and yelling, <laughs> and I'm sitting there in a t-shirt and boxer shorts. Um, and at some point, it was like late in the second half. It, it sounds like somebody's trying to kick our door down. So I'm sitting there, and I can see down the hallway to the door. I don't get up. My roommate gets up and opens the door. He opens it, and nope, there's nobody there. He like looks out, and all I see are two sets of arms. They pull him out, and I walk down the hallway. Somebody had called the cops. They thought it was. They thought it was. They thought it was domestic violence. Like some. Like some. Some chick was getting beat up by her husband or boyfriend. So he, they got him up against the wall, and they've got their hands. I can't even. They got their hands on their holster, and he's up against the wall like this. So I, I go back in and sit down because the game's getting ready to start, and this is this is 100% the truth. The guy comes. One of the cops. The other cops comes in and goes, "What's going on in here?" And I'm like, dude, we're watching the Hoosiers. They're, they're, they're getting ready to upset Duke. This is the greatest thing ever. And he was like, so you, there's no fighting or somebody's getting beat up? I'm like, no. I said, but we're going to throw, throw the blankety-blank TV out the window if they don't win this game. <laughs> I said, so the game comes back on. He's like asking me questions. So I'm like, the TV's here and he's over here. And he's asking questions. Up. I, I said, listen, officer, I'll answer all your questions. But I said, can you wait till the next time out? <laughs> the, gonna, I said, if they're going to win this game and I don't want to miss it. I said, if you guys want to come in, we got beer in the fridge come in and have a drink and let's watch the hoosiers together those the action and words of a bad motherfucker yeah absolutely my buddy comes into the apartment and he looked like he saw a ghost he was so white (laughs) but yeah that was our story he came in and we got to see the and for like a couple minutes he's like do you see what happened i'm like dude sit down and it was right around the time when moye blocked uh was a boozer yeah and we were going crazy and then um five fouled um Jay Williams. Williams. And we were like, I mean, yeah, that's when, and then I was like, we're probably going to get the cops cut off again because we were just pissed. (laughs) But yeah, it was awesome. Then we went out to Broad Ripple and then celebrated. Awesome. Well, I want to go to your time. By the way, we're all about the same age. You got to go to games as a kid during, uh, you know, really the the only golden era of Indiana football up until this time. Were you as big of an Anthony Thompson fan as, as we were? Yeah, well, I, I actually can remember I was at the first night game ever in Indiana. They played Syracuse and they brought in portable lights. Yeah. Um, and my favorite player is uh, when I was really little was Babe Loffenberg, the oh, quarterback. Okay. Sure. But I, I remember Anthony Thompson. I mean, for part of the time this happened because we we moved to Michigan. Uh, I'm trying to think what year it was. I was uh, probably about 84, 85. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was about no. It was right around when Indiana won the national title. So we we missed. You have to remember back then. Back then, you didn't have a Big Ten Network. All the mm-hmm. games were on TV. So what I would do is I could pick up Whoa Whoa out of Fort Wayne, the, the radio station. I could pick that up. We lived outside Lansing, Michigan, right by Michigan State, Okemos, actually. I would go out and sit in the car because we could get on our car and you could turn the key back, and I would listen to Indiana basketball games until late at night um, on Whoa Whoa because we couldn't get them on – we couldn't watch them on TV. Awesome. But, yeah, I, I remember those times. Then we moved back in the uh, – um, right around yeah, it was about 85 to 88 we were in Michigan we moved back because I, I started my freshman year of high school in 1988 and we were back right before then so missed a little bit of the golden time but get, got to see a lot of it I went to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta the mm. Independence Bowl um, so we got to go to a few bowl games and, and you know when they came up to Michigan State I, I went, to all, went to all those games so 
uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a, it was a great time back then. So you get, I, I want to now skip forward to you talking about filling out or entering in recruiter, recruiting questionnaires. Uh -huh. Tell us what that is. Like, I, I don't even really understand what that is because well, I'd love to get into the weeds is, a little bit about like, you yeah, know, grass this is way back in, this is what, 90, uh, I'm trying to think what camp camera was there. Was it about 96 or 97? Yeah, 97, 98. Yeah, we would get, um, you would send out questionnaires and basically these guys, it was all hand filled out. So it'd be like their name, their address, their hometown, their high school, their height and weight, their position, like maybe any honors they had, um, all this, kind of, uh, maybe if they had their, like their GPA, their grades. And I would just get the stack of papers and sit there and just enter these in one after another. Now I'm sure now it's probably all done electronic. You know what I mean? It's probably way, way, way more efficient. But back then, this is how we did it. So, but it was kind of cool because I would, while I'm doing, I would kind of read these questionnaires and try to memorize where these guys were from, or yeah. if they were from, if they were from like an Indiana high school that I might have known about, or you know, you just are maybe it's a guy you'd heard about. And obviously, you didn't have all the websites you have now, but uh, there was still some stuff where you could read about guys. But yeah, that's what I did. I would sit in this room, windowless room down <laughs> in the bowels of uh, Memorial Stadium where the old offices used to be, and I would. Uh, I would enter these. I would enter these uh, these numbers in, and are these all these questionnaires in, and, and so the coaches could go and they could access them whenever they wanted to at some point. It does. It, oh, it, I, just hearing you describe that, it took me to flashbacks of of collecting football cards, which I was obsessed with as a kid, and I think that was as much that got me into football because it's the numbers, the stats, the the uniforms, all that kind of stuff. Was that a thing for you too, sports cards? Oh yeah, I uh, actually I still have I have boxes uh and um i was i'm kind of you know i would literally put all the i would separate them by teams so all the mm -hmm. all, like all cincinnati all atlanta and i would put little dividers so i knew where each team was so i've got these huge my actually my son i have a i have four kids uh an 11 year old daughter eight year old son six year old son and a four year old son my eight year old loves sports he's into baseball cards so he goes back and he'll bring him he'll be like hey dad daddy do you remember this guy and i, I do it was a long time ago the guy's <laughs> probably you know much older than we are now, but uh, it kind of makes you feel old. But it's kind of cool to see these guys that you you watched growing up um, when you were a teenager or whatever. And, and now your son brings them and asks you about them. They tell me about what kind of player was he. Compare him. My son loves Mike Trout. He's a Reds fan, mm -hmm. but he, his favorite player is Mike Trout. So everybody gets compared to Mike Trout. And I always tell him the two best players I've ever seen in my life, uh, all around players, are Ken Griffey Jr. and Mike Trout. And mm -hmm. so I said nobody compares to him except for for Junior. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I was into the sports cards and baseball cards too. Um, you got to tell us as you were picking up recruits from the airport, dealing with recruits, you got to tell some crazy recruit story. There had to be something that just stands out to you as just wild, a recruit asking for something, something crazy that happened. Give us something from that time. Well, this, it's, this kind of related to a recruit, pick up a recruit. Um, the coaches, when you're, I think they still do this. When you're a coach, you get like a car through a car dealership as part of your contract. Community cars, and, Evan Martin. Yeah. Um, I was close to TJ Weiss, who was the wide receivers coach um, that, uh, at Indiana at that time. And he had me, he got his car from like somewhere down to like Paoli or somewhere down in the southern part of the state. I don't know why. So it was like right at the end of finals week, um, he was like, I need you to go pick, pick this car and go get my new one. So I, me and a buddy who was who was from Bloomington is a good buddy of mine. He went to IU. We go and pick up this car, and I'm driving back, and it's like kind of like getting to dust time. Um, I'm exhausted. I hadn't slept all week. We're coming up 37. We're right by Bedford, going north on 37, and I doze off going into an intersection. 
and somebody oh. clips the, somebody t-bones the car on the back oh the car. it's still drivable but yeah <laughs> it was totally my fault totally my fault so i drive it back the, the back wheel kind of wobbles and um did you think about just a, pretending like it was fine oh, I, 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 was, I, I honestly told my buddy and my buddy was asleep next to me he was asleep in the passenger seat <laughs> You know, and, he, and of course, when, he, when the impact just totally woke him up, like, I mean, he might have had to change his shorts, but he was like, what just happened? I'm like, I don't know, dude, you were asleep too. Why don't you tell me what happened? <laughs> so I get back, I call Weiss, and I tell him what happened. Um, I remember I had to go meet with Scott Dolson. At that time, he was, I think he was still in the varsity club, doing varsity club. So when I had to meet with him, I was so scared. He was like, what are you scared about? He was like, yeah, you made a mistake. You screwed up, but that's why we have insurance. It'll be okay. You, no problem. But uh, this was during the season. Later on, I, they gave me Cam Cameron's car. And back, uh, if you guys were ever in the old football offices, they had those stairs that went way down. Oh, yeah. So I walked up the stairs, and TJ Weiss was coming in as I was going up because I was going to pick up the kid at the airport. And he goes, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to get – I think it was Johnny Anderson. He was a junior college DB from San Francisco. And he goes, I go, I'm going to pick up Johnny. And he goes, uh, whose car you got? I go, Coach Cameron's. He said, okay, just let me tell you this. If you do to his car what you did to mine, you are so – effed he goes I, I he goes he goes and i cannot save your ass if you do it he said so what the whole way the whole way up and back on 37 i was white knuckling yeah were, i think people on bicycles passed me <laughs> I, I was going so slow i mean johnny Anderson must have thought i was the biggest the biggest dork in the world in the in, in because i like i mean i was i had an sab girl with me like they would have these SAB and they would kind of talk to them and i was driving i mean I was oh like, yeah yeah they would talk going. to them they would talk <laughs> yeah, to them. Well. Sure, matt matt talk there's a lot of talking about geo global politics and stuff like that that's, yeah. that's what i'm that's my that's my that's the story i'm going with but yeah so that's kind of my recruiting story i don't really have anything crazy as far as guys doing crazy things um i remember johnny that in that trip he was the quietest guy. I remember thinking, there's no way they're going to get this guy. He doesn't want to be here. And he actually committed. He was a good player. He played IU for a couple of years. But, I mean, he literally did not talk almost all the way. I mean, we were sitting there. I remember the girl even told me, because I drove her home after we dropped him off and uh, dropped her off at her apartment. And she was like, she was like, boy, he, he didn't have any kind of personality. I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't feel good about this one. She's like, yeah, I don't either. But he committed. So, maybe he's just a quiet guy. Do Matt, do the coaches talk to you before – you get involved in like picking recruits up. Do they sit you down and go, look, our job is to recruit. We don't need you to recruit. Like, do they tell you what to say, what not to say, or do they like kind of give you information, like help us here? Like you, you can, you can like convince them how cool it is to be in Indiana. I just would imagine if I'm a fan of Indiana and involved with recruits, I would be wanting to like, come on, you got to come here. I'd, I'd want to help as much as I can, but I'm sure I would drive kids away from Indiana. So what? No, what was that's that? happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they um, they they'd want you to talk because I was a student at the time, so I could, he could relate to me. He could ask me questions about campus and and classes and you know living and you know places and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So he, I could relate to him. I mean, maybe if it was not, if I wasn't you know older like I am now, maybe be you know you may not want him to you know get to it, but. Back then, they wanted you to talk to him, and he, with him, I just took him straight back to the stadium when we got into town. Some guys, they would have me literally just kind of take maybe a little stroll, like you know, tour around campus, and you know, there's the union, or there's where you may have some classes if you do there's, major. There's That's Mars like, where they on Wednesdays they do a wet T-shirt contest. <laughs> hot, hot bods, yeah. <laughs> I'm, my, I'm wife, wondering... my wife, my wife did hot bod. I, it was before I met her, but she she tells she tells me about doing hot bod one night. 
(laughs) That's better than the fact that my sister was a dancer in one of the goddamn cages. She was a go-go girl. (laughs) I don't even want to talk about it. All right? Like, that's true. Sorry, Hillary, but it's true. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Poor girl, she's got kids now. So when you're in with the program, like you were at that age, I wonder if it's TJ Weiss or somebody else along the way. Uh, Obviously, you're learning so much from just being there, being on the ground. Um, Did you get to be around the actual practices on the field a lot? And did TJ or somebody else like that kind of take you a little bit under their wing and really help you start to see the game in a way that we lay folks just will never have an appreciation for because you're in there with paid professionals or did that come later when you started really having to break it down as a professional journalist? No, they did. And, and, you know, one day when, when coach Cameron came in, one of the things he did is he kind of cut some of the financial aid for managers. So they had some guys quit. And so they came to me and they, I think it was during the summertime and they said, Hey, do you want to be a manager? And I hadn't really even thought about it. I was like, well, what do I have to do? And they said, well, you help run practices. You'll go to the games. You'll be on the sideline for games. And, um, you know, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was like having, uh, it was like having a full-time job, but it was a lot of fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, like I said, I was there. I remember, uh, my, my, and I was only a manager for one year because you know, I transferred into IU and my senior year in Indiana, back then all the practices were in the afternoon. Now they do them in the mornings. And, you know, if you guys were as a senior, you got all those like, what, three, 400 level classes. They only meet, they only have so many of them during the semester. So my class schedule, my senior year conflicted with practice. So what they did for my senior year is I, um, I sat in the press box with a headset on and I charted plays for the offense. So when they called a play in, that was Antoine's first year of play, and I would write down the play, I would write down the defense, and I would write down what happened on the play. Um, but kind of back to your question, yeah, I would sit in, in, in the meeting rooms. I remember sitting with Marty Fine and watching, and watching game film. Marty Fine was um, – he was a tight ends coach. He's actually Cam Cameron's brother-in-law, but he was like the tight ends coach. But I remember sitting in there, and, I, and they let me watch film. And, and, you know, I try not to ask too many questions because they're obviously breaking down film. But I might ask them, hey, what, you know, what about this and stuff? So it was, it was, it was great. They were – they were awesome with me. They were very open, um, you know, and I will say you guys talked about how great Antoine was that first year. That was back when they had prop 48. You could practice, but not play uh, as good as he was in uniform on game day. That was the greatest performance I'd seen one week. He would be a quarterback one week. He'd be a receiver, whoever the best player on the team they were playing because he was a scout team player. Right. So if the best player was a running back, he'd be a running back. If the best player was a receiver or if the best player was a corner, uh, he would change every week and, absolutely incredible every week. I mean, just incredible. I remember writing with John Harbaugh when he was with the Eagles to practice at Lehigh to, to practice because the, where the campus is and the practice are, are, you have to drive. And I said, how good is Antoine? And he said, if Antoine would have played cornerback in Indiana, he would have been one of the first 10 picks in the NFL draft. Wow. He said his best position was probably, in my opinion, was cornerback. And Antoine obviously had a great NFL career, uh, mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl, but he was just, incredible and one of the highlights of being a manager when i was a manager i used to go out before he'd come out he'd go on the field early and i would warm him up we would throw the football back oh, and forth and, that is um, cool yeah now and obviously when the other guys came out he would start throwing with them the receivers and stuff but i'd go out there and warm him up and and to this day antoine's a friend he's a great guy i saw i ran into him at the gator bowl uh last year uh got gave gave, gave me a big hug and it was great you know and adawali agulays another guy i got to know well um so it just it was a lot of fun. I mean, just stuff that when you're when it's happening, you don't think about it. And now, as you get to our age, you look back on it twenty plus years later. Uh, it's it's really cool the people I've gotten to meet and and the relationships I've I've been able to to build. 
and talk about some special people. I mean, Antoine and Adewale yeah. are just special, special people with yeah, huge personalities. Absolutely. And I mean, we've only gotten to know them a little bit by talking to them on the show the last few months and just blown away by them. And we were huge fans yeah. of theirs to begin with. So I, I want to get into you. Obviously, you cover the Indiana football team, but you really cover recruiting. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you read Inside the Locker Rooms, which is probably the most popular, I would say, um, feature on pigs.com comes out every Friday, have to be a a premium subscriber to get it. And if you read it, I think on average, like a third of it is basketball and then there's football and part of, but part of the reason for that, and this is what I want to get into with basketball, it's five guys playing at one time, you know, it's 12 guys on a team for the most part, there's an AAU circuit and there's like a dozen AAU programs that Indiana's focused on. You know what I mean? Mm. Maybe it's a little more, maybe it's a little less, but if you're Rab Johns, like, you know, those people, you have good relationships with them. There is no AAU for football. There's a thousand people on a football team and they're (laughs) everywhere. And unlike basketball, it seems to me, and I am much more novice on this football recruiting than I am on, on basketball. Um, geography is a little bit less of an issue. Like most basketball is geographically located, right? But Tom Allen comes in and we're getting guys from Florida, you know, cause that's where his relationships are. It seems like there's a little less adherence to your geography in football than there is on the basketball side. But my question to you is how do you even begin to make the connections that you need to make to have sources on football recruiting? It just seems so massive. How did you even begin that process? Well, when I first got this job, the first thing I did is I went, and obviously here in Indiana, the top schools are the mixed schools, Warren Central, Carmel, um, uh, Center, uh, Center Grove, uh, those, those are the top, and there's some other ones. So what I did is I just got in my car and I drove to those high schools and, well, I called, I mean, I mean, made appointments ahead of time to meet the coaches, but introduced myself and told them who I was and what I'd be doing. And, you know, I knew Indiana recruited those schools and I developed relationships. One of my good friends to this day, he wasn't the head coach, but he was at Ben Davis, Jason Simmons. Now he is the head coach at Ben, da- at ben Davis. Back then he wasn't, but I've known him for, since I've been doing the shop 14 years, one of the greatest guys in the world, but uh, you know, um, uh, guys who, who, who were coaching and I, and you know, Eric Moore, he was still, he was a center girl back then. And it went down and hung out with him and just, just talk to him. I mean, just to kind of start to build, you know, it's kind of almost like recruiting. You're just kind of building a relationship so that if you have to go for them for information, they know you are, they, they have a face to the name and, and they know there's somewhat of a trust factor there. As far as the out of state ones, it's obviously more difficult because I can't drive down to Florida and just start going around to different schools. So some of it, I mean, you just, you just start to message guys, you know, email them. Um, you know, nowadays, obviously people DM on Twitter all the time. Um, and I think one thing that helps, I mean, we started, I was, we, we were with rivals rivals is obviously a name brand. Um, we went to scout obviously just for a short time and now we're at two, four, seven. So that gives you a lot of credibility. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's like when a, a, an assistant coach in Indiana goes into a school, as opposed to a coach from a smaller school, you know, there's just, I mean, there's a little bit more credibility because you're in a power five school, big 10 school, and it kind of jumps out. So that obviously helps, but I just think doing the best thing. I mean, you know, the one thing I've always said is I, I'm, you, you want to be first in this business. Okay. We all, that's how journalism is, but I would rather be second and not burn somebody or a source or betray a trust than be first and do that. Because in me and Rabbi talk about all the time, once you do that, it's over, you're done. I'm going to have to go do something else because if you don't have trust in this, you, you just can't survive. It's not going to happen. And, you know, I, I, I'm okay being second sometimes because I'd rather do that and, and take care of the people who have taken care of me than to 
you know, I mean, my dad's always told me from, he said, the one thing you got in this world is your, is your word and your honor. And if you, if you break that, you got nothing. So I, I try to live by that when I do my job. Well, when you're dealing with these connections you have, I feel like, all right, in state, you know, you, you can kind of keep your arms around that. But to Eric's point, you know, there's a thousand guys on a team. There's 10,000 guys in any given senior class across the country that could potentially come play for a power five school. So how do you even start to track that? Or is it more that you have a relationship uh, within the IU football program that you, you can kind of understand who they're looking at and then start to track those guys? Or do you try to go beyond that and look at everybody who's out there? That to me seems like it would be impossible. How would, how would you even put that into a spreadsheet and follow up on it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, before Twitter, that was a lot tougher because now with Twitter, you know, I can I can go to the coaches' Twitter things and see who they're following. So that gives mm. you a pretty good idea of who they like. And that's not always that doesn't always mean those guys are top targets. But yeah, you know, the relationship with with the IU coaching staff, and then you know, I just you know, if I there's some guys you know they're they're going to be after because they're they're just they're really good players. They're highly rated. They got a lot of. And I'll just reach out. Most kids, you know, I mean. Think about when, when you're that age. If somebody called you and wanted to do stories on you and put you on the internet, you'd probably be like, "Yeah." Some are more private, <laughs> guarded, but most guys want to talk about themselves, which is okay. I mean, I would too, and and that's what I want them to do. I want them to talk about themselves, about the recruiting, and obviously mainly about Indiana. Why do you like Indiana? Because that's who I'm. That's who I'm covering. But um, I mean, there is a lot of legwork. Uh, I mean, it's funny you guys brought up AAU. I always tell Rabbi, I think basketball recruiting is ten times harder because. Hmm. I really only have to focus – I mean, I focus on younger classes, but, right, you know, you mainly only focus on the, the guys who are seniors or getting ready to sign. Mm. Rabbi's got to focus on freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, mm. you know, guys – because, you know, the, the, all the, in these AAU things, you've got to go watch all these guys. I mainly focus on the seniors. I, if there's some juniors in state, I'll go watch them. But mainly my focus is class by class, and I can kind of just put one class behind me and move on to the next one. And now there's a little bit of overlap where the guys are signing for one class and they're starting to move into the next class. But I just – and all these AAU teams, it's just too confusing for me. Ravi does a great, great job. He always tells me, you you got like 20 guys for every position. To me, it's really not that hard to remember all the different guys. I mean, it's, it's you know, but – well, it's, yeah. it's back to, it's back to collecting baseball cards. I mean, really yeah. like, that's what it is. It's, it's, yeah. if you grew up doing that Ward did it, I did it too. It's like, it, and, and by the way, the same thing happens when I go back to St. Louis, my parents still have all the cards. They're still there, yeah. all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. And I, like I started my son, who's not crazy into sports, but he likes cards. So he'll mm-hmm. just pull up a card and he'll be like, do you remember this guy? I'm like, Oh, Rob Deere. Yeah. I remember Rob yeah. Deere. Here's oh, yeah. And we'll try to like quizzy. He'll try to quiz me. What team did he play for? What year was his rookie year? You know? And it's amazing what sticks because it was such a part of your life. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your 14 years, because out of 14 years covering football for Indiana, about three of them have been good. I mean, like, it's been a rough go, you know, for, for many reasons. How, how hard is it when you were like in the middle of the slog where, let's just be honest, Matt, as you said, you grew up in Southern Indiana, you know, it's a basketball state. Mm-hmm. Is it frustrating for you to put the time that you were putting into it and, and, and the detail that you were putting into it, for one, a team that was just not progressing anywhere, you know, false start after false start with coaches, and a fan base that is just difficult. I mean, you know, you go to the games, it's like you get 25,000 people at a game, you know, and, and, and some of those were big games. How frustrating was that for you? And how do you convince yourself 
to just keep pushing. It's tough. You know, I told Rabbi one time, we talked about this, and when they were losing a lot, I told him every week writing a game story was like writing an obituary. It was depressing. <laughs> It really was. It was depressing. And I, I can't imagine working for a newspaper and writing obituaries. It'd be hard, but that's what it was like. Cause it was like somebody died every week because it was not fun and they were losing and, and you, you know, you, you might see a little glimmer and then it gets, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. You know, I just think being, I think it, it, it takes, it takes uh, a special person. I, I mean, I, not that I'm special, but to be an IU football fan. I mean, yeah. I guess it's, you know, there's, I have friends, I'm not, I'm not a Cubs fan, but I, I guess to be kind of like being a Cubs fan for all those years and, and always losing and, and finally getting to the, the Holy Grail. But, um, you know, I have always believed, I mean, I'm not one of these people who thinks Indiana's going to be Ohio State or Michigan and, and compete for national titles, but there, I've always believed if you, if you support it, if you put in the necessary resources, if you get the right people, Indiana could be a Michigan State or an Iowa or one of these, a Wisconsin, who goes to ball games every year, and maybe they have that one year where they have all the seniors and they have a special season and they upset somebody. But there's no reason why you can't be successful in football in Indiana. Is it going to be, you know, like I said, Ohio State, and you're in the college football playoff year? Probably not, you know, unless we're going to start passing the hat to get players. Um, right. <laughs> but, but, you know, you can still be, you can still have a great football program that people are proud of. And they started to, they started to support it, but it was during those years, you know, with coach Lynch and Bill Lynch is one of easily one of the three or four finest human beings I've ever met in my life. Absolutely. Great guy. It just wasn't, this wasn't the place for him. No, you know, by the way, I, I always thought Bill Lynch was the football equivalent of Mike Davis. Mike Davis he, was such a nice guy. But he was—he happened to be the assistant at a time where the job fell to him. Indiana wasn't going to go hire Bill Lynch as the head coach of the football no. team, but he was the assistant at the time. And he shouldn't have been in that position, but the team was a little bit hamstrung in what you do out of a terrible situation like that. And and he did the best he could. He's a good guy, but he, he just couldn't. It, yeah. he, the job was too big. My, my friends always ask me, why did they give Lynch a job? And I, this way I explain it. Remember, Indiana hadn't been to a bowl game when they went to that in 2007. And was it was, I think, 93 was the last time. So, what is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, along 14, 14 years. Yeah. So, how hard is it for the AD going to be to go hire a, a coach if you fired the guy who took you to a, for the bowl game first time in 14 <laughs> years and you're paying minimum wage as far as college football salary? Right. Who's going who's gonna to take that job? I mean, and then you, you know, Indiana was always considered a deathbed of a, of a, of a job. It was, it was an endpoint for guys. I mean, that's why you got a lot of retreads and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you didn't have a lot of, a lot of interest. And I think it's, it's obviously changing, you know, Tom Allen obviously wasn't a big name when I hired him. They struck gold with him and, and he's done a fantastic job. But if Tom Allen would leave, you'd have really good coaches knocking down Indiana's door to get this job because it's a whole lot different program. You know, I I always joke people on the board, people always get mad with like Mike Hart just left to go to Michigan. And, I, and I've always said, I don't worry about guys leaving when you're winning. I worry about guys leaving when you're losing because nobody wants to go to a place where you're not winning. Right. Guys are going to want to come here. Kalen DeBoer was here for one year and left people upset. I'm like, whether it's Nick Sheridan or somebody else, this is a de- – now it's become more of a destination program. Now, you're still – there's still bigger programs. Guys are going to go to bigger places. But yeah, but now you good. can look at Indiana as a real stepping stone. Yeah to get that, that yeah. Ohio state job or that, you know what I mean? Like, or, or for a coordinator to get a really good head coaching job because Absolutely. coordinators weren't coming to Indiana thinking, Oh, I'm going to be the defensive coordinator at Indiana and then get a head coaching job. No, you're going to come def- You were a defensive coordinator at Indiana because no one else would, would hire you. Yeah. I mean like that, that now it's a legit job. So you're you, absolutely you, right. And you, you've, 
you persevered through all this, even as a child, you had to yeah. endure, you know, the ups and downs and, and Mallory's fired. And, and then you're there as a, as an assistant and a manager, and now you're back and you're reporting on these bad seasons. And then Tom Allen shows up. And, you know, I think we all started hearing things when he was a defensive coordinator and, and we could see the results on the field. Um, but when did you, being as inside as somebody can possibly be who's not actually on the roster or part of the staff, when did you kind of say, I think maybe we found the guy, the guy you'd been waiting for, we all had since childhood, well, at least let's say since Bill Mallory was let go, that like, this is the guy who can get us to where we all thought we could be. Do you remember a moment or a game or an interaction with him where you realized how special he was? Well, when you're around him, you realize how special he is. I mean, I remember talking to Mark Hagan once a couple years ago. Not, uh, actually, it wasn't too long after he got the maybe it was more about three or four years ago. And Mark Hagan said, it's impossible to, to be in a bad mood around Tom Allen. He hmm. never has a bad day. He's the most optimistic, positive, upbeat guy in the world. Um, and you know, when you're around him, you see it. I mean, he's what you see on TV with the LEO and, and that's, that's just who he really is. I don't know where he gets the energy because, you know, where he's a little bit older than me. And I mean, I can barely stay awake sometimes during the day and he is just, you <laughs> yeah, know, don't get, but, don't um, get behind the wheel of a car. We know, <laughs> yeah, but, but I think I realized, well, when he came in as a DC and the defense was awful the year before and he immediately turned it around and they went from like 120th in defense in the country at about 125 teams to like top 40 or whatever it was, that's when I realized, okay, you know, I think sometimes when guys are like Tom Allen, people think that, that it, that's all they can do. There's no, he's a very good X's and O's coach. He's a very good strategist. This guy knows football really, really well. I think the other thing people think is, well, he doesn't cuss, you know, he, he talks about his faith. He, you know, he's not going to, I, he, he will light guys up in practice. Now he does it G rated, but he will <laughs> light guys up in practice. I mean, you know, when Kevin Wilson was there, it was not G-rated at all, but no. he will light guys up and get on him. He just, he does it a different way. And everybody has their own way. It doesn't mean Kevin Wilson's way is wrong and Tom Allen. Everybody has their own way of doing things, but Tom Allen will get on guys. He is a very, very good football coach who just happens to have this magnetic, uh, charismatic personality. And I think I start, I, I don't know if I realized he was going to be the next head coach and do a great job that year. He was a DC, but I realized they had something with him. And I was like, man, if they would have got this guy three or four years ago, well, this team would have been straight three or four straight bowl games because the only thing that they needed was a defense. They could right. score like crazy and they couldn't stop anybody. So I think that's when I realized what kind of, what kind of coach he was, and what kind of leader he was, the way he completely, completely was pretty much the same players transformed that defense from the worst in the big 10 to, to the top half of the big 10. So let's get into a little bit of red meat for Indiana fans, which is recruiting. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on was because we are novices when it comes to IU football recruiting and truthfully I find it as a fan just so much harder to follow because there are so many positions mm -hmm. it's also difficult like in basketball you know like all right if you get Trace Jackson Davis you're going to be much better next year football yeah. doesn't really work that way right like there could be a really I remember Samson James when we got Samson James it was like one of the biggest recruits we had ever gotten Samson James made like little to no impact his first year, his second year, like a little, you know, it's like football is such a different game when it comes to mm -hmm. that. So I guess what I want to ask you is where are we in your mind? Where, where were we the couple years before um, Tom Allen? 
Where are we right now as, as far as just 30,000 foot, good, bad, you know, that kind of thing, and put it in context, if you can, of the conference. Let's start there. And where are we going? Like, where, where do you see us going? What is actually possible for Indiana when it comes to recruiting? So let's start with what was Indiana recruiting the few years before Tom Allen got here? Well, even before Tom Allen, before uh, Kevin Wilson, Bill Lynch's philosophy was to take they would basically recruit against max schools. Now they would go against some big 10 schools, but their whole goal was to get under the radar guys, redshirt them and develop them. And in the 85 man scholarship world, that's really tough to do because sometimes freshmen have to play. You just don't have enough back in up when it was 105, you could maybe do that more, but now it's really hard. Kevin Wilson really changed the, the, the whole thing of recruiting. He started going up against the, the big boys. And I mean, he didn't win a bunch of them, but he did win enough of them and, 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 and beat out some good schools. And then Tom Allen's just taking it to a different level. And now they still got, you know, they're not beating out Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State regularly. They have, you know, obviously you mentioned Samson James. They've done it for some other guys. But, you know, if you compare them to the conference, I mean, it's really in the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State's on their own level. Then you kind of got Michigan and Penn State, excuse me, and then it's kind of everybody else. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's a big, huge glob of teams. And, and from year to year, it can change. I mean, a couple of years ago, Purdue was recruiting well. This year, their class isn't as great. You know, Indiana, people will look at the recruiting class for Indiana. One thing about rankings, it's not just the quality of players, it's how many. And right. Indiana only signed 13 guys. So when you sign 13 guys, I don't care if you sign 13 four-star guys, you're still going to be down because you don't have the number of players to add up the points. And that's one thing I wish – and it's not, I'm not blaming 247 and talent is and all the sites. I wish there was a way to kind of maybe, you know, make it – more about they should the quality rank, of the players. Yeah, they should rank on the – you should be able to rank yeah. on the average player rating. Yeah. Like, that is more <clears throat> important. I mean, the, schools are going to get the numbers that they need, right? Like, yeah. no, nobody who needed 22 slots is like, oh, my God, we only got 14. They fill the slots. But it is – what is the average rating is more much more important. So – but back to what you were saying – Obviously, Ohio State's its own class, Michigan, Penn State underneath. Now, you said after that, it's everybody else. But the truth is, Indiana wasn't really part of that everybody else group. No. Like, no. we were – it was – it was. I mean, we were the worst, right? Like, for yeah, many years, yeah. 13 or 14. Can – are we right now – are we right now competing at the same level as a Wisconsin and a Michigan State and an Iowa? Is that – are we there yet? And what's your take on that? I, 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 yeah, I think they are. The, the one area, the toughest thing to recruit at Indiana is, and this is for all programs this size, Purdue, Illinois, um, is offensive linemen. I, to me, football has changed. It's, when, we were, when, when we were at IU and Bill Mallory, or, you know, around that time, it was, yeah. the game was played narrower. Now it's played in space. Um, but even with that, football, in my opinion, is still one in the trenches. The guys who can whip the other guy's butt up front on both sides of the ball wins the games. And the hardest thing to recruit at Indiana and some of these schools are 6'6", 300-pound human beings, because there's not that many of them walking around on this planet, right. who are athletic and can play football. And the ones that are, they'll go sit and be third or fourth string at Alabama or Ohio State or these other schools. Rather, And that's the hardest thing. So that's where, to me, that's that's the next step for them. They're getting better linemen. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say they're not, but – that's the next step to, because to me, that's how you compete year in and year out. Indiana's never had a problem getting skill players. My whole life, they've had good skill players. Antoine, Von Dunbar, Anthony Thompson, Ernie Jones, Thomas Lewis, you can go on and on. Cody Latimer. Every year, they had great skill players, um, or at least good enough to compete in the Big yeah, Ten. And Where by the way, we've had some good quarterbacks, too, with, yeah, with Trent Green. Exactly. And, 
like got, you know, Sudfeld. I mean, there's been guys who go to the N- the NFL. We just, you're right. It's, it's always been about, and for my novice was that our defense always sucked. Yeah. It always seemed like we could get guys that were highlight reels and really good offensively, but we just had no team speed on defense is what uh-huh. it seemed like. But, but anyway, keep going on the trenches thing because I'd love to know yeah. how you see that progressing now. Yeah, and so to me, that's that's the key. And, and they've recruited well in the defensive line. They're getting better at that. And that's why defense – I mean, if you're defensive line, if you can't stop the run and you can't pressure the quarterback, you're going to get killed. I don't care. I mean, we've had good DBs. Tracy Porter, and you yeah. can name guys, uh, Mike Dumas back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had good DBs, but if you those guys can't cover forever. Deion Sanders is the best I've ever seen. But if, if he's got to cover for 10 seconds, the guy's eventually going to get open. It just, it's going to happen. So, uh, you know, that's where, that's where you have to consistently – you know, Mark Hagan, I talked to him one time when he was first back at IU. He told me when he was at Purdue – their goal was to bring in players better than what they got. He said, we got Drew Brees, and right away we knew Drew Brees was fantastic. And I mean, obviously we don't like Purdue, but Drew Brees was a fantastic player, a Hall of Famer, and he said, we went out on the recruiting trail, and our goal was to find a quarterback better than Drew Brees. <laughs> he said, we knew, we knew it probably wasn't going to happen, but that's how you have to recruit. You mm-hmm. got like sometimes fans see a thing, and you, you'll get a four-star guy, and like, oh, we don't need anybody at that position. No, you want to go – because unless you're like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or some of these like really – personalities michael jordan who will push themselves every day human nature is to relax so in football i mean you got to go out and get guys to push these guys every single day and it's hard i mean it's hard to, to go out and set, that's how you and that's how you get good in football you stack good class after good class after good class it's to your point you can go out and get a great quarterback but if his offensive line stinks or he has receivers that can't get open he's gonna look terrible you can bring in cody zeller and all of a sudden you go from a top 25, right around 2025 20, team, now you're number one in the country and got a chance to go really deep in the tournament. That one guy can do that. In football, it, it, takes, it takes classes, and sometimes it's hard. Patience is, is hard for people to, to practice in this because it's such a you know, show-me-now kind of a society. But you know, Tom Allen's done it the right way. Uh, the recruiting's improved. Um, you know, the Florida, you talk about speed. That's why, for me, I love getting in-state kids. I grew up here. But I would take a kid from Florida every day of the week and twice on Sunday over anybody else. They play football. It's like, it's like why do people come to Indiana to recruit basketball players? It's because we have the best high school basketball in the country. We, they, Indiana develops great high school basketball prospects for college. That's why guys, schools come in here. Florida does the same thing in football. Those mm-hmm. guys play year-round. It's in their blood. They love to do it. It's, it's like basketball up here. And those guys – and then, you know, they're, they just have – and it's population, too. Florida's a big state with a ton of people. Sure. So you're going to have more, more, more to pick from. They all can't go to the SEC schools. And some of them don't want to. They want to get out of town and, and go somewhere else. So, And Indiana has built this program largely – if you look at the two deep the last couple of years, it's largely been built by players not from Indiana. Now, hopefully they can change that a little bit and get more – but you got to keep recruiting Georgia, Florida, and those southern states because those guys can run and run all day long. So when you're looking at the trajectory of where this can go, okay, let's say Ohio State, you know, like Alabama or Clemson, they're just kind of out of reach there at another plane. But in that second tier of the Michigan and the Penn State, we beat them this year. Yeah. And we have maybe the most charismatic coach in all of college football. And now we just had a season where we, we ended the regular season in the top 10. We're preseason top 10. Is there any reason for us to try to temper our expectations in that, like both the, the recruiting and then what Tom Allen can do with them once they get there, that, that can, we, can we be in that conversation with Michigan and Penn State going forward or would we be better served to be like, no, just keep thinking about Wisconsin Northwestern. 
Iowa because I'm I'm ready to say we're already there and we're going to stay there. <laughs> but but one reason it's good to talk to somebody like you, you actually know things and can set reasonable expectations for the the next few seasons. No, I think fans should expect greatness. I think they should. I think one of the problems, and obviously the administration, let's be honest, they kind of crapped on football for years and years and yep. years. It, it just wasn't important. And I think what happened then is that lowered fans' expectations to the point where, you know, going six and six, was that was considered. I think fans should have better expectations. I think that pushes the administration, hopefully pushes the administration and the program to to have, to try to achieve greatness. You know, to, for, to say that, I mean, it be it would be Ohio State has got decades and decades and decades of tradition, a huge fan base, all the all the you know the the, the money they have, all that kind of stuff. To say you're going to jump up in that class, can they one day? I hope so. I hope it's in my lifetime. I, that would be fantastic. But I mean, if you look at Wisconsin, and, and I'm not trying to lower expectations, but those are I mean, Michigan State. For, I mean, they were in the college football playoff one year. Wisconsin has gone to Rose Bowls and been really good. I mean. Um, you know, if, if Tom Allen could build Indiana into a Barry Alvarez, Wisconsin for the next 15 years, I think fans would be pretty happy because there's yeah. going to be some years in there where you're going to knock off Ohio State. You're going to you're going to play maybe go. To, I mean, my dream is to go to Pasadena. That's my dream. That's one of my dreams of my life. We'll hang out. And, we'll hang out. Yeah. yeah. Got to come and, out and, here. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, bat, to see Indiana back in the final four. But there's no reason why Indiana can't do this year in and year out. I mean, they played Ohio State tough this year. You know, football with the, the scholarship reductions, parity has become – I mean, look at Boise State over the years. You see these schools doing this. Iowa State's come up. I mean, these schools that were always down, you know, I think uh, uh, Kansas State under Bill Snyder for all those years. I mean, it is possible. You can do this. It's a little bit harder at Indiana because you don't have the infrastructure. It's just like saying, you know, could, could Minnesota basketball or Northwestern basketball be – what you know indiana was for so long and could be in some of these other programs they could it's just harder to do because they don't have all the resources that these schools have and all the advantages that they have with them they have to work a little bit harder and really not have any kind of you know bad luck along the way i think so many fans like ward was talking about with tom allen we feel like we found our bob knight of football you know we found the guy that is exceptional and is going to be here for a long time because we believe that Scott Dolson will do the right thing and figure out a way to pay him and keep him here. We, like, we're going to yeah. assume all that. But we feel like what he does with talent and making the whole greater than the sum of the parts, which is clearly what he did this last season, is remarkable. But when you break down, just as Rabbi likes to say, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Yeah. You know, I think Ward read me the numbers during one of these. Ohio State had like 62 four and five star. Penn State and Michigan, Michigan was at like 40 something. Penn State was a little under that. Wisconsin was at like 16 or something. Indiana was at five, I think, and no five stars, right? Mm -hmm. just, just four stars. So I guess my question to you is, Matt, knowing who we're recruiting for, the 21 classes is done unless there's another transfer or something that happens, right? But pretty yeah. much done. So as you look at 22, and then I know it's harder on football because you are doing it more like what the next class is as opposed to two classes down. But as you kind of get a sense, is it possible that Indiana will have a class with eight to 12 four stars? Like, like how reasonable is it for me to expect that we go from a team that only has four or five to a team that has 15, 20 at any one time? Is that possible for Indiana? And are we on a trajectory to get there? 
Yeah, I think that is possible. And now, I mean, if you're going to get 8 to 10 to 12, it's probably going to be in a class of like 25 guys right. where you get a full class. But, yeah, I do think that is possible. I mean, I think if they keep doing what they're doing, I mean, you know, in today's day and age, a, a, a personality like Tom Allen where you have all these coaches who are kind of phony, they come, they, they're, 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 they're fraudulent, they, you know, he's real. I mean, you know, you see it. He, that's, like I said, that's who he is. And, and guys, but not, listen, I use had guys leave. They're going to have guys leave sometimes. And a lot of times it's not because they don't like to come out. They just want to go play. They're not getting playing time, but getting that, getting that recruiting um, is possible. One thing I will say about football recruiting as opposed to basketball, I've always said basketball to me is much, much easier to evaluate and rate because the, a Cody Zeller will play against a kid from where you got California yes. in an AAU game. You'll actually see them match up in multiple times, not once, but multiple times. Against high-level competition. Yeah, football, there are camps where guys match up. To me, the only the only really matchup that's football-like is when you get the O-lineman against the D-lineman and they one-on-one block. They don't have pads on, but those guys go at it, and maybe the receivers and the DBs, but it's not the same. I mean, a kid from Indiana is not going to go up against a kid from Georgia too often in the camp. I mean, it's not real football. So I think it's much harder. It's more about projection, and you're kind of watching a guy. So to me, a high three-star and a four-star, maybe they should be switched around. Hmm. I mean, Micah McFadden was the lowest-rated recruit in his class. He was barely a three-star recruit. He's an All-American. I mean, you know, uh, I, I remember talking to Tom Allen one time about, about rankings, and how, you know, and they, coaches don't pay attention to him. He told me, so I hmm. tell my coaches, trust your eyes. Trust your eyes and your evaluation. If you think he can play for us and your eyes tell you he's good enough, then let's go recruit him. I don't care who else is recruiting him. I don't care what his star rating is. If you think he can play, then let's go get him. Now, they're starting to recruit better players, and, and the yeah, rankings show that. That Let's be honest, though, about that. Like, Micah McFadden is a freak. I mean, like, yeah. th- there are not many that are recruited at the level that he was that do what he did. and yeah. And so, like – when you have a team of 85 where you need to have like 40 really good players, the law of averages does catch up. And just like, I mean, clearly Tom Allen for the class of 22 and beyond, I would bet that if you averaged out who he's recruiting versus who he recruited even three years ago, it would be a level up based on recruiting services. Mm -hmm. That's not just the eyes. I mean, it's not a coincidence because by the way, guys like you and the, through the recruiting analysis, they have eyes too, and they're pretty good at it overall. So, um, yeah, I'm just curious on how he, if he can get to that next plateau on recruiting and when do you think we would see the, sp- the spoils, if you will, of the success he had? Will we see that in 22? Will we get a handful of four-star, maybe even a five-star that re- commits to us that has not happened before in an Indiana recruiting class? What's your take? Yeah, I think you could. I, the, the one, the, 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 the one, crappy thing about the tw- this past season um they had two goalpost games that's what i call them penn state and michigan the goalpost would have come down if we would have had fans in the stands yeah two goalpost games that that the, that they were in those are the games you know you uh, every week they have unofficial visitors they'll have 20 30 40 guys um you know indiana doesn't do a ton of official visitors during the season uh, obviously one is the atmosphere is not always the greatest but secondly when you have an official visit friday night you go and stay in a hotel they stay i think they stay you know somewhere in bloomington hotel um and then saturday you can't really hang out with the player and then saturday night you know they may hang out, but so you bear, it's not much of a visit you don't want to waste an official visit on a guy but um all the unofficial visits they could have had this season the penn state game the michigan game um you know games where, where it would have been you know i think that michigan game would have been sold out i think you would have had a great crowd or close to it after beating penn state 
um, after beating Penn State and coming back, I think I think that Michigan game would have been would have been near a sellout, and so they missed out on that. But I do think you're going to start to see it pay off the winning in 22, 23, and in future classes. But to get to that point, you got to keep backing up these seasons with more good seasons. You got to keep doing it year after year, and that's how you do it. Guys want to go play for winners. That's what they want to do. They want to be. They want to play in big games. And they want to have a chance to go to the next level. Um, so if Indiana keeps doing that, they'll keep getting better players. One thing that I think would have happened probably regardless, but I think it was more exacerbated this season because there were no fans, were the social media clips that went out, you know, whether it was Tom Allen in the locker room giving a speech or let's be honest, the Pennock stretch, you know, there we go, Ward's back. So the Pennock stretch, obviously, to, to win the Penn State game. But then the amazing moment of Tom Allen doing the interview on the field after the Michigan game, right? Where all the, was that Wisconsin? Wisconsin, I'm sorry. Wisconsin game, where all the players are getting in front of the camera and saying, he's a player's coach. He's the best coach in the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think that stuff got even more exacerbated because it's all we had this year. You know, you didn't have the in-game stuff. When you talk to recruits, did that stuff resonate with them? Did, did the Tom Allen pep talks that became huge hits online and that moment, I mean, I'll be honest, I sent out a video <clears throat> of Tom Allen doing it and it got like hundreds of thousands of hits because people loved it. But I'm curious, are recruits seeing that stuff and did it resonate with them? Yeah, when I would talk to them, because I always ask them, what do you like about Indiana? And obviously they haven't visited, so it's from a distance, from afar, but what, what stands out about Indiana? And I would always hear the season they're having, because they, they watched the Penn State game, they saw them, you know, smoke Michigan and play well. Um, but it was more about the, the, how they, the, the, the LEO atmosphere, the playing wow. for each other, the, um, the camaraderie and how, you know, the, the chemistry seems to be so good. And guys want, I mean, I, 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 if I talk to 100 recruits, I bet you I won't hear from maybe a couple of them that they're not looking for a family atmosphere. Almost every kid, what are you looking for? Always say, what factors are important to you? And it's almost always like a connection to the coaches and the other players or some kind of family atmosphere. They may all word it differently, but it's about the same thing. And that's what Indiana has under Tom Allen. That's what, that's what, and that's what they have to recruit to. When you're at Ohio State, Kevin Wilson always say you recruit to a helmet. Because, you know, you'll get guys, you know, and, and obviously they develop relationships too. I'm not trying to sell Ohio State doesn't have relationships and camaraderie, but it's less, it's not as big of a deal. No, you know you're going to the NFL, right? Like Yeah, it's about, yeah. Absolutely. At Indiana, you've got to you've got to develop that that relationship. You've got to have that bond with that kid. That's what they did with Taiwan Mullen. They developed that bond. And Taiwan Mullen is, I mean, he's just a special, special dude. And um, on top of being a fantastic football player, but I mean, he's just a special guy. And that's what that's what they're looking for. And that's what is a those are the guys that are. And Indiana is not for everybody. Tom Allen's not going to be for everybody. No. But I'm telling you, I think he's for a lot more guys than he's not for. And the guy and the pool players they can choose from is pretty big and this staff does a good job of finding those guys and I think the, the what he's built what he's built as far as this you know everybody's in it together you're it's you're in the foxhole next to me and I'm doing it for you as much as I'm doing it for myself I think that, that resonates with guys and it stands out so now uh, I just wanted to say we've been talking about how beneficial what this season was whether it's, you know, Tom Allen after the game and all those players going by, you can't calculate how valuable that is on the recruiting trail. But looking forward to this next season, again, uh, it's our nature to want to be super,
super excited about it because most of those guys are coming back. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at the roster, and I think you know the depth so much better than we do, and who's coming up behind some of the people maybe we lost or competing for some of the starting spots, even with guys who are returning, um, and we're looking at these preseason rankings, is it fair to say we could be as good or even better this coming season and um, is it okay if we can just believe that for the next few months until the season finally gets here? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I told people I actually thought what happened this year was going to happen next year. I thought they'd be good mm. this year, but I thought the, the, the chance that, you know, to beat, to beat Penn State, beat Michigan, and I'm not saying they couldn't have done it this year, but because this, I, I, this defense I could tell last year was going to be good. They had their ups and downs, but it was a young defense. The secondary is fantastic. We talked about Taiwan, but, you know, they, they have a lot of talent in the secondary. And, and the D-line was young, but, I, you know, by, by next year it was going to be an older group. And um, I thought that was – now. so that means for me I'm even more optimistic about next year. Now, obviously, the schedule, you, you add um, – you start Cincinnati at home. So you got, you got some tough games to start the season, but um, you know, I think this is a team that can really have another special season. I think they can be, can be really good. I think this defense is good. Obviously you lost coach Walmack, but you bring in a guy from Georgia. You know, we talk about Indiana coaches come to Indiana. When's the last time a guy from Georgia left Georgia? He's in a, he's an Atlanta guy to come to Indiana, even though it's to be the DC, that just doesn't happen. So, um, you know, they, they've got, point. they've got a great, yeah, they got, they've got the staffs there. Um, the talents there, like you said, a lot of players are back to me. I like Jack Tuttle, but to me, the ceiling for this team is, is Michael Penix back and, and is he back to where he was? I think if he's back, he'll be back to where he was because let's be honest, after Justin Fields and Michael Penix, it was a huge drop off to quarterback play in the big 10. They were at the top. Justin Fields is obviously fantastic. Penix is behind him, but Michael Penix is a transformative player. He can transform your team because of just who, his personality and his play, not just the offense, but the defense. And like I said, I love Jack Tuttle, but this is a different team, and it's nothing against him. There's very few quarterbacks you could plug in, and you get the same kind of team you have when you have Michael Penix in there. So, you know, I think they're going to be great. The O-line will be a big key. They've added some guys. I think it's going to be better. They've got to run the ball better. They did not do that well this year. Too much was on Penix in the passing game, but if they can run the ball better – this is going to be a nasty team to play against. People are not going to want to play against these guys because they're going to be, they're going to be salty every week. The, the crazy thing too on Penix, and then I've got kind of a final question for you. I'm sure Ward's got another one too, but like Penix was amazing in that second half against Ohio State. His numbers overall were not like his completion percentage was way down. Like there was more room for Penix to be better too. And I think what scares me a little bit is Look, he's coming back from another injury. He has not proven yeah. that he can play a half a year without going down with injury, you know, a half a full football season. So obviously that is a huge worry. But coming back from the injury and then also he's – because I do think for Indiana to go where we want him to go, Penix has to increase his play also. I think he mm -hmm. left a lot of points and a lot of passes on the on the field last year. And But I think you're right. Like, you know, I mean, there was that great meme that went out that was like – I think Sam Story put it out, but it was like – Fuck it, Fry Fogel down there somewhere. You know, it's like, and Tuttle couldn't do that. Like that's just not the kind of player Tuttle was. But Penix could fucking laser it down there. All right, so listen, we're simple-minded. We love recruiting, but we cannot pay attention to all these. Positions. We can so, pay attention. We just can't retain it. We can't retain. So this is what I need, Matt. We love our Trace Jackson Davises, our Christian Landers. We get obsessed with them. Give us two 
I think three is the max for me. <laughs> Who are the three players that we are recruiting right now that we have a real shot at that are difference makers? Like I read about, is his name Caden Curry? Yeah, from Center Grove. Yeah, like, but, but I don't know how legit we are there. Who are three difference makers that we are recruiting now that you've got your eye on and like, holy hell, if Indiana gets these guys, that is really something to get really excited about. Give us some, give us some, some red meat here. Okay, the first guy, uh, Joe Strickland, he's from Indianapolis for Buff. Uh, he's a four-star defensive end, uh, terrific player, getting recruited by a lot of people. They've got a great shot there. They've done a fabulous job of recruiting Joe. Uh, I, I, uh, I talk to Joe a lot. I mean, when I say a lot, I mean, you know, probably every week or every other week, just text with him and message with him. Um, but he really likes Indiana. Now it's going to be, they're going to have to work to get him, but he, he's a guy that they could get. Joe uh, Strickland. Name, okay. Joe Strickland from Brabuff. Uh, Travell Mullen, Taiwan's younger yes. brother. Yes. Um, he is fantastic. In fact, I've been told, people have told me, remember, Trayvon, the oldest one, was the MVP of the national championship game for Clemson, is now playing for the Raiders. Yeah. Taiwan is obviously going to be, uh, I'm a Colts fan, I think Taiwan's going to be Kenny Moore. I think Taiwan's going to make tons of money being a slot cornerback in the NFL awesome. for a long, long time. Um, Trevell, I've been told, people think will be the best of the three. Oh, my God. Whoa. Now, does he want to stake out his own claim? Like, what? what's the vibe there? Does he want a father and brother's footsteps? Like, I don't want to get too excited about him because he does seem so freaking good. Yeah, he, I, well, his mom loves IU because they've done a great job. The mom, I know, I met her. Uh, I met Mama Mullen down oh, in Tampa and she oh, took okay. a picture with Board Ward. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard she is a, a great lady. She's done a great job raising these three boys, doing, doing it on her own. And, but she loves IU. They've got a great relationship. My guess is it'll come down to IU and Penn State. Um, what I'm hoping is, my, this is my hope. Uh, this is the IU fan, not the P guy, that Taiwan wants to play and stay for his senior year, not go to the pros because he wants to play. He wants to have the Mullen brothers patrolling the outside quarterback uh, oh, oh. for the yeah. IU team. It would be 2022. So that's my hope. Um, All right, so Bell Mullen. Uh, a third guy. You know what? I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Omar Cooper. Um, He's a wide receiver. Wide receiver. Indianapolis, Indianapolis Forest North. Uh, he was the uh, the go-to guy for for Donovan McCauley um, this past year. Obviously, Donovan signed four-star quarterback. Um, Omar's fantastic. Now, Omar, unfortunately, at the end of the football season, tore his ACL. He's due to be back for his upcoming season. He's going to miss. He plays basketball. Everybody at Lawrence North plays basketball. Uh, it's like you have to, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, Jack Kiefer makes you, but uh, he, he will be back for, for football next year. He's a four-star receiver, terrific player, um, just stands out. I mean, when you go to a high school game and a guy just literally stands out, I, you know, I remember Terry McLaurin at Cathedral, who now plays in the NFL. I'm not saying he's Terry McLaurin, but I saw him, and he just looked different. I mean, he was so much faster than everybody else, so much more athletic, and Omar kind of reminds me of that where he's just – he just looks different than the guys he's playing against. Even when he's going against Warren Central or Ben Davis or Carmel, he looks different. So those are three guys. Taven Jackson's another one. Tracy's yeah. younger brother, quarterback at center. Now he just got offered by Michigan today. Boo. Stay away, Harbaugh. Saw but that. Um, he's, he's a terrific player, and he's got real upside. He's, he's kind of raw because he's been playing you know, football, I think, is a little bit not, not new to him, but he's kind of been a two-sport guy, and now he's focusing more on football. But he's another kid. He's got a chance to be really good. They love him. Um, so I would say those are three or four guys right there, but those are the ones I think they got a legit shot with and they would be difference makers. Are all four of them 2022? 
Yeah, they are all 2022. Do you have any sense of a timeline for those four on when an announcement is coming? Like, when, what's the, what's the for, for fans who are more basketball but looking to get in, what is, like, the typical calendar for when kids for the 22 class, and here we are in 2021, when do they typically commit? Well, you, you would start having guys commit now. What the problem is, obviously, this past year has been anything but typical. Right. There, recruiting has been shut down since last March, and it's gonna the dead period right now is scheduled to go to April 15th. So you're talking 13 months, no visits, no camps, uh, no coaches going out to watch them, none of that stuff. And for football, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a tough deal. Um, I think some of these guys could be close to committing if it was a normal year. It, you know, it's kind of up in the air. I think as soon as you start getting guys on campus, I think you're going to start seeing an absolute wave of commits. Whenever that is, if it's April 15th, maybe it's earlier. I don't know. Maybe the, our government can do something crazy and get the vaccine out a lot faster than they've done yeah. anything in their life. <laughs> I doubt it, but who knows. But if, if they can get visits going, uh, whenever that happens, I think once guys take a couple visits, I, I think you're going to see a ton of commits. I think kids are ready to commit. I think they're – because this has been a brutal year for them doing all the Zoom calls and uh, virtual tours. I mean, it's it, nobody's fault, but it's just been tough. And I think some of these guys will take some visits. And I think also because guys are probably going to worry about their spots getting locked up or Mm. or getting taken. And here's the other thing with the new transfer rules, it's like free agency. I mean, you know, if you're a high school kid, you wait around too long, they may just give your spot to a transfer that they could have for like three years. You'd be there. So, you know, I think you're going to see guys come in. I think these guys could be spring, summer. It just kind of depends on when they can, you know, Travell's never been on campus. His mom has, but Travell's never been to IU. But if you get him on campus, get him around there, obviously, you know, Taiwan's here. Um, You know, I think these guys, if you can get them on, I think you'll start seeing some of them commit and and hopefully Indiana gets their fair share of them. Okay. So Eric actually asked my exact question. (laughs) So I'm going to put a wrinkle on it. Who are two or three guys on the roster now that maybe didn't have a chance to shine this year because of who was ahead of them, injury, whatever, who can we look to emerge next season that maybe wasn't a household name for Hoosier Nation this season? Well, uh, I think he mentioned Samson James earlier. Uh, Stevie Scott's gone pro. Um, you know, obviously they're looking for a running back coach, but Samson's going to be at the head of the line to take that job. I think Samson could have a breakout year. I think he's a, obviously he's a very talented guy, but I think he could have a breakout year. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else on an offense. I would probably go a receiver, maybe like a Javon Swinton, Jacoby Hewitt. Um, they both played a little bit. I mean, Javon had a huge catch against Penn State. Jacoby had a huge catch on that throw from Pendix, which was just ridiculous. But those are two guys that have speed, athleticism. So those are guys. And with, you know, you lost WAP. Um, Ty Freifel goes back. But there's there's playing time to be had there at receiver. So I think there's a couple guys. Defensively, um, uh, Josh Sanwinetti at safety. He played some this year. Got hurt. Actually got hurt in the bowl game. But um, he's got great ball skills. Got to get bigger. But he's got fantastic instincts. Um, you lost Jamar Johnson, so there's playing time to be had at that safety spot. So he's a guy I think could really jump up. Um, and I think, uh, uh, oh, is it Aaron Wise, the linebacker? I think, I, I think I, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Aaron Casey, the linebacker. He played some this year, but I think he's a guy that's going to play more athletic, made a ton of plays, and I think he's a guy that's going to kind of jump out this year as well um, and, and have a big year. C.J. Person on the D-line is another one. There, there's an opening at the three-tech with Javon Swan and Jerome Johnson leaving. C.J. Person's another guy who's played some, made some plays, but now he's going to get a chance to be a guy, to be one of the dudes, and I think, he, I think he's got a chance to do it. I, I had heard through a friend who knew Mike Hart a little bit that Hart told him, I think it was Hart who told him, 
that Ellis is the most talented guy on the offense, that Ellis is the fastest and has just incredible potential. Yeah, I, and he could be. The reason why I didn't list him as a breakout guy is because I'm not sure what position to list him at because he plays some right. running back, he plays some receiver, and he's obviously been a big part of the offense for the last couple of years. Fair. But I think he's another guy. You know, depending on and, and that'll probably be some of that will depend on who the running back coach is and and who he wants to play and how he wants to do things. But Ellis is a guy that will be on the field, whether it's as a slot guy or in the backfield. But he's another guy that could be a breakout. I was kind of focusing on guys who really haven't played a ton. Samson hasn't had a big. No, no, no. You're right. I, I just wanted but, to but, know your take on. I Ellis. love David. I I, know, I got to know David. Uh, father we text sometimes great family he's a great kid and he's a heck of a player he, he might be the fastest guy on the team and he is the kind of guy you got to have to beat the Ohio States and those those schools well listen Matt we could do six more parts and I would love to do one like maybe around spring football when like sure. some of these recruitments also come together I would love to like do another one and get your take on whatever the recruiting class hall is but uh-huh. I got to tell you, man, like, look, I've been on pigs a long time and there is only one voice that matters when it comes to IU football, honestly. And it's yours. And it's been that way for years. And whenever I have like gotten the, the itch to be like, I got to dive into football. It's go look at your tweets, go look at any posts, go look at any stories that you've done. They are thorough. They are to the point. They are easy for even an idiot like me to understand. And uh, I just really appreciate the fact that you have through 14 years persevered through bad after bad after bad (laughs) to see the promised land that seems like we're on the way to and honestly it just feels like you are as much a part of the program as anything and I love that you're part of the Peaks family and uh and I'm glad you follow us on Twitter now because for a long time you would not follow us on Twitter (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) but i uh really this is like so much fun to get to know you and next time we're in that we're allowed to be in bloomington with other people let's (laughs) let's you let's us and uh, rabbi get together and have a little fun i appreciate that i tell rabbi all the time one day people are going to figure out i don't know what the hell i'm talking about (laughs) i'm that i'm a total fraud and then i'm gonna go get a real job so Hopefully that doesn't happen for a while, but one day people are going to figure it out. So, (laughs) well, they got to go through Rabbi first. They'll figure Rabbi out first. Yeah. When you guys come into town, we'll talk, I'll tell you some stories about Rabbi and playing pool with him. It's pretty good. Oh, there we go. I like (laughs) that. We'll we'll make sure something is recording that information. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, be good, man. Thank you. Okay. Thanks guys. Take care. care. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. What a cool guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was a little intimidated at first. I know he's scary. He was yes, scary. Mark. He's like, like, I'm, you know, like, oh, did we do something wrong? I know. I thought oh. he was mad at us. I thought we weren't <laughs> yeah. going to get him to laugh. And okay. then we, then you ducked out. You ducked out. Uh, yeah. I had to pee. Is that really what happened? No, no. The power went out in the house again, completely. We got back in the house today, hours before this, and just kind of everything got settled back in. And then we're sitting there and it just lights heater everything just went so i thought that might have been sayonara for the rest i thought maybe you had to take your back up yeah oh yeah it it, everything the the power came back on within 30 seconds but then the whole internet had to reboot so you could hear annie and the kids who are all on their zooms going oh what's going on what's going on got it well look that was awesome because like i said i have not followed iu football recruiting really at all until the last 
maybe three years, like when we started, really, I remember the Penix recruitment. I remember the Samson James recruitment. And I'm starting to get into it more and more. And Weaver is the guy. I mean, he is the wallet guy. So it's it was just so cool to hear how he got there, his passion for it. I love like how in the program he actually was. That's so yeah. cool. A that gives him like there. ownership of it too, in a way that's just super cool. Well, and he made it less overwhelming because I think we've talked about this and we feel the same way. It's like, whoa, how do you even start to wrap your brain around it? Well, read inside the locker room and everything has to say, um, but I know I'm now going to more focus just on senior, senior, seniors. I think we've got transfers now, which is kind of fun because we won't be looking at those so long-term. That'll probably all turn around pretty quickly. Um, but if, if I'm like, okay, it's just seniors, and, and to be able to know that you're going you're gonna to see these players coming into a really strong program. Because yeah. before, too, if you're like, okay, I'm trying to track all these guys, and then they're going to come in. And maybe if we do well enough against like Miami of Ohio, we'll get to see them play in a bowl game once. Now it's easier to start investing more time and, and passion and hope into what these players could bring to Bloomington because we know something very special has been built that, that looks like it's going to sustain for a while. The recalibration that's needed from a basketball fan is get excited about a guy for football, get him, and then be prepared to not see him for two years. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. rare that a true freshman plays a bunch or makes an impact. It's rare that a true sophomore plays a ton. And so like, it's just a recalibration, but Joe Strickland, Omar Cooper, Trayvon Mullen, and then there was Otaven Jackson, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's uh, easy crazy. for us. Like I, he's been on yeah, my I'm already on him. Like I'm two, already on two, him. Two years. But it's uh, I, I no, just it's, loved it. Really cool to do this one, and uh, he's a good dude. And it's also good to always meet the uh, the Peaks family because I feel like the more we meet the other real Peaks family, the more that they get to know this. Hopefully, they like us. The less likely it is they fire us. Yeah, no, that I think that's a double edged sword. I it think is. That it's really a real razor's edge to bite us in the ass. Though we we should mention Trevor too. Trevor, another you know great article came out um, uh, after the uh, Iowa game. And he's just always brings a different perspective and, uh, you know, to give him some love. And eventually we got to meet him after, you know, one game in the press room briefly after we'd snuck in yeah. um, and would love to, to hear a little bit more about his perspective and his journey at some point too. Yeah, Rabbi, uh, Rab, Rabbi Jr. <laughs> yeah. He's like yeah, a Rabbi uh, Jr. Trevor, what's, uh, hey, what's. What are you trying to do? Trevor teacher, teacher Trevor. I mean, to just come up with an uh, uh, um, uh, alliteration with his name. Got to think about it. Not, yeah, we'll think about it. Yeah. No, no hurry. We don't have to no come hurry. up with it right now. There's no rules no, about that. J- just by the time you're introducing him on the show. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, listen. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but sometimes, uh, sometimes why? why? We will be back at you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. 
Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.